Well, hey, friends, welcome to The Collective Podcast, where we strive to highlight ordinary women living extraordinary lives of faithfulness. And we want to unite, inspire, equip, and unleash God's women to be all that they can be in light of what God's done for us. We are so glad you're here. Well, hello, ladies. I'm Chelsea Shea Friesen, your co-host for today, and I am joined by our one and only Callie Nixon. The hello, lovely. lovelies. So glad to be here. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about a topic that, generally speaking, is considered taboo, mm-hmm. and women don't don't often bring up in discussion. Yeah. Um, and so I just want to air it out there, ladies. We're about to say these two words a handful of times, <laughs> and it might be a little uncomfortable, but today's topic is lust and masturbation. And the reason we want to talk about these things and what we want to share with you today is we want to address what they are and why they're a sin. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't start there and address why it's a sin, the rest of the conversation is nothing because we have to address that heart issue. And then we also honestly want to share with you our personal stories and our journey through battling this particular issue. And we really want to focus on how God can help us overcome and find victory from the weight and the shame of this sin and also freedom from the action and the pressure and the yes. temptation of it. And then we want to we want to encourage you that the church can help. Yes. That there's freedom in this place to be authentic about this struggle because that's the only way we're going to find victory. But that's for later. So just buckle up and get excited. Mm. Um, and I also want to just confess and put this out there. The reason that the two of us are hosting today's edition, and I shake as I share this, (laughs) is because we both have struggled and battled this issue pretty much the majority of our lives. Yeah, I definitely think I'm more nervous about this episode, Chelsea Shea, than I've been about most others, because even though it is for freedom that Christ has set us free and He set us free from the guilt and shame of this sin, anytime you open back up and be vulnerable, it just feels kind of nerve-wracking just a little bit. And so I, I love that I get to feel that way because it keeps me dependent on the Lord, and it also grounds me like deep in my bones knowing we have to talk about this, yes. and it's going to be good. Yeah, and it's not a glamorous thing, you girls, no. to hear or for us to share this confession, but it is an authentic one. And and I think that leads me into my first big question for you, Callie, is what are the stigmas around this sin in the church, outside of the church? What are the stereotypes that are typically associated with battling lust and masturbation? Yeah, I love that question because I do think in this episode, we really are focusing on women who are in the church because you may be listening to this podcast right now and you're not a believer in Jesus yet. He's after you. I know it. But if you're not a believer yet, there would be no reason to think that this is any kind of issue or sin whatsoever. Or you may be a new believer who's kind of like, what's what's the big deal? Yeah. And so I do think we want to challenge that belief system a little bit. We do want to make an argument and a case for the fact that we believe the Bible would call it sin and that there are people who make a case in the opposite, but I think it's a hard case to make. But I do think as we're talking to the women who are in the church, I think the most heartbreaking stigma to me is around the idea that women should not struggle with this sin. Mm-hmm. And that was evidence in the fact that like as I grew up, you know, when when the the youth pastor was talking about everything, he'd go, "Hey, on the youth retreat, boys, here we're going to have a breakout on your struggle with lust and pornography and masturbation. And girls, we're going to talk about self-image." And I have had 
extra love on this gorgeous body for as long as I can remember, but I haven't really struggled with my identity. Praise God. I've just been comfy with who he's made me to be. But I remember that was that was um, just this reoccurring theme of like, it's only for guys. Yeah. And so it made me feel broken and it made me feel like I was wrong. And while I see this changing in a really beautiful way at Watermark, I mean, we start talking about this issue with our sixth graders. So I'm so thrilled that I see that changing, but I do think we have a long way to go as far as the broader church is concerned, just to shed light on this sin, to give women a place to confess it in community and fight it the same way we fight any other sin. And the way we fight sin is through God's word, his spirit, and his people. And what I want to say to some woman today who's believing the same lie that I used to believe, this sin does not disqualify you. This sin does not make you more shameful than any other sin. It is sin that the Lord sent his son to die for and that he in his grace has redeemed it with his marvelous light and we can walk in victory over this sin. Can I get an amen? Mm. I ne- I needed to honest I needed to honestly hear that. Yeah. That really blesses me. And with that groundwork laid out, let's set up the conversation by defining some of these words. So, Callie, can you walk us through what are lust and masturbation and why are they a sin? Sure. So, lust, we would just define as a very strong sexual desire for someone, kind of stays in the thought realm. Matthew 5, 28 says, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So, Jesus makes this really cool, interesting paradigm shift where we can sin even in our thought lives, and we can be convicted of that sin before we've ever even acted out on it. But masturbation is personal satisfaction of one's own sexual desire. So it's that action. And we look to 1 Corinthians 6.18 that says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And then Colossians 3, verse 5, reminds us to put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetedness, which is idolatry. So I think it's important to define those terms. We also will talk in just a little bit about pornography because I think you can't have this conversation with also mentioning that, but those are the definition of the terms. Yeah. And and quite frankly, I hear you. Like if I'm just listening, I hear you. Yes. Scripture. Great. Can you please help me understand when I listen to those those verses, why does that make this a sin? Right. I think that's such a good question to ask. And I will say from the get-go, I know that this is even debated in Christian circles. So there are books that make an allowance for this. But what we believe is that we, if you look at what God created sex for, ultimately masturbation does not align with the selflessness that God intended when he gave us sex as a gift. And so if we believe that sex is a gift, it's to be used within the context of marriage. And using it for anything outside of that context goes from being a selfless purpose to now being a selfish purpose. And it's using a God-given gift in the way it wasn't intended to be used. We talk a lot about fire, like in our household. Hey, fire is amazing when it's kept in its boundaries. When it's out of his boundaries, it's destructive. And we would say the same thing about masturbation. And God's word says a lot about purity, and purity is not exclusively meant for single people. So whether you're married or single, God calls us to be pure in heart and in mind. There's tons of verses on that that we'll put in the show notes later, but 1 Timothy 4.12, Psalm 119.9, 1 Thessalonians 4.3-5, Galatians 5. And I think you can make an argument that masturbation can have a real impact on our thought life as well, because usually 
people choose to masturbate as a result of being physically turned on. And that in and of itself ultimately is selfish. And so it's not going with this beautiful thing that God created where in marriage, the view of sex is my whole heart is to represent Philippians 2 to my spouse by serving him as Christ loves us. And I think when we're doing masturbation out, when we're doing, when we masturbate outside of the marriage bed, it is basing our definition of what will please me instead of doing what God says and serving our spouse. And so there, again, there are people who land on different sides of this. I think it's harder to build the argument that um, it's not something that is going to lead you down a path to just something destructive. Absolutely. And I, so I did some research on the word masturbate and the, the origin of that word is actually pretty widely, there's a discrepancy on where it comes from. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just going to throw this out there as a personal Note: This is not a, a historical fact when I say what I'm about to say, but I have found in my battle that when I look at the word masturbate and it says master first, I think that alone has stood out to me as that's what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to master this desire that is meant to be vulnerable and shared and dode. It's, a, it's an expression of two souls aligning. That's mm-hmm. what it's meant to do when God designs it. And when I take that action or when we take that action, individually we are trying to be in control over it receive it selfishly and there and there is a humility to giving of yourself on in a marriage bed and there's a lot of selfishness yeah. to taking and that has nothing to do with an actual historical no. understanding of the word that's just a Good personal though. anecdote on when i hear that word something that's kept me grounded and when i'm trying to remind myself cuz sometimes that's the hardest thing for me is to remind myself this is a sin cuz i just want it so bad some days but to go hey that that first part of the word keeps me on on course and goes hey stop mm. trying to master this that makes me surrender think of, it or and cuz really ultimately you're being mastered by it Oh. You know, that makes me think yes. of 1 Corinthians 6, 12 that says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for you, but I will not be mastered by anything. And I think pornography is another place that absolutely becomes our master. And so again, we're not going to focus on it as much on this episode, but it's a total companion to everything we're talking about today. And just some interesting statistics from Covenant Eyes on this, 28,258 users are watching pornography every second and they're spending over $3,000 every second on porn on the internet. And that is, that is so, think about that over an hour, over a day, over a year, how much money is being made off of the objectification of something that God caused as a gift. And I think as a result of this, you've got a statistic that says 90% of teens and 96% of young adults are either encouraging, accepting, or neutral when they talk about porns with their friends. So, so many teens believe that not recycling is worse than not viewing pornography. That's, that's where we are in our culture. And I think it's good to say, too, that this is not just the secular culture. 15% of Christian women say they watch porn at least once a month. We've got a pre-married class here at Watermark called Merge. And in our most recent class, 96% of men said that they struggled with lust and impure thoughts and 81% of women. So this is not a male issue, female issue anymore. And if we as a church are addressing it as lust for guys and something else for women, we're really missing out on a chance to minister to 
God's children. Absolutely. And quite frankly, pornography is not really a part of my story or of Callie's story, right? Right. Yes. But I would love to actually hear a little bit more about your story and what it has looked like to battle this sin struggle. Yeah. Um, so all my life, I have craved pleasure. Like I, I want, I love good hugs. I'm a sensual person. I love when things smell lovely. I love um, getting excited about a meal. I love um, just that sensory part of how God made me. And my struggle started before I even knew that it was a sin. It started even kind of before the age of sexual exploration and started as something that just simply felt good and then turned into something later that I knew to be wrong because I trusted in Christ in a really young age and believe I had the Holy Spirit in my heart, and I could feel that sense of of conviction and guilt. But by that time, I was so addicted that I couldn't stop. And so I lived in that secret and in that shame of lust and masturbation for over 10 years, and I never told a soul. And y'all, I was the good girl. I was like the one that parents would look like and go, she's going places, and she's <laughs> wise beyond her years, and you might, I wish my kid would more like Callie. And so you hear enough of that that you think, oh my gosh, if I ever tell a soul, I will completely discredit my ability to ever have a future in the ministry. And I literally, I didn't think I would lose my salvation, but I literally thought if anybody knew I'd be ruined. And I thought I was, because it was known as a man's struggle, I thought there's no way I could ever share this with someone and be, which is so what Satan does. That is so inconsistent with scripture. Satan tells us that our sin is unlike anybody else's and our sin is too deep and too hard and too long for the grace of God to cover. And that's not what my Bible says. In Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we say around here a lot, all sin is level at the foot of the cross, and it requires the same amount of grace. It may have different consequences. Yeah, absolutely. But it's going to have the same grace that is poured out from Jesus. Now, by God's grace, you know, I, I chose one day in college to tell one girl. And I just knew she was going to hate me for the rest of my life. And I told her over bagels in Waco, Texas. And I remember what she said when she looked at me was like, okay, have you asked God for his forgiveness? He's forgiven you and I love you. And that being met with so much grace absolutely changed my life forever. And I will never, ever forget it. And so by God's grace, that confession turned into one girl, to two girls, to three girls, to now <laughs> the Lord has, in His kindness, allowed me to share my struggle with so many women, and I am passionate about seeing women set free from this sin that has lived in the dark for way too long. You know, Callie, I think that your story is so common in the church, and it's sad to say that, but I think it's true that girls who've grown up in and around the church, they're afraid to share this secret sin, and I have to tell you, Man, there's so much freedom there. So I love hearing that you finally found that. And personally, that is very different than what I experienced. My story is a little bit sad, actually. I was sexually engaged as a little girl, 
And I came away from this encounter with an, it was actually with an older girl in the neighborhood. And this became a habitual relationship. And as I would walk away and go home from these encounters, I began to feel both ashamed and violated. Mm -hmm. But what was really confusing about it is that I also felt curious. And that early sexual experience ignited my pursuit of pleasure in a way that, quite frankly, I hate. And I look back on it, and I'm, it saddens me in the most appropriate way. And it, it also gives me the confidence to share what's happened so that hopefully other people who've gone through what I went through can look back, find the origin, and also find the path to freedom. But but if I'm being honest, as I, as I matured out of, you know, being an elementary school age and took this ignited sexual curiosity with me through my childhood and into my early years, I honestly have to confess, I didn't think it was a sin. I was in my mid-20s and I had come to know the Lord. It was years after I came to know the Lord before I actually discovered and spiritually connected with the reality that it was a sin. Mm -hmm. And so for the majority of my life, I engaged, I lusted, and I struggled but I wouldn't have even thought it was a struggle because there were people in my church who would say, hey, if you need to do that to blow off a little steam, go ahead. Be free. If that's what keeps you from having sex, then that's what you need to do. And that is such a confusing thing that we are going to hopefully unravel a little bit more. But it was a lie. And, and I don't say that as a person on their high horse. I say that from a personal experience because I have seen and walked through the degenerative nature of giving in to lust, giving in to the sin of masturbation. And so at around the age of 23, my faith started to deepen. I had known the Lord for a few years, and I stumbled across the verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 18, and it says, flee from sexual immorality, not just sex. And that stuck with me. And that was the big turning point in my recovery from being somebody who just engaged freely. I had to believe and understand how God wanted me to be as a single person and Lord willing one day a married person sexually for me to understand this, right? And so it hit me that this thing wasn't giving me life. It was tearing me down from the inside out and it was setting my future marriage bed up for pain and frustration. Hmm. And so it has been a long, hard road um, to turn over the habits of 23 years of sinning with this. But by God's great grace, you know, the path is up and to the right, right? Because now I'm married. Right. So, I mean, it's just gone, huh, Callie? <laughs> I'm married, so I don't struggle with a lot. Exactly. That's something we wanted to talk about. I feel like it's very easy to go, well, now you're married. So the struggle's gone, right? And <laughs> no, that's like the, literally all that happens is you make a covenant before God and you put on a ring and everything that has tempted you before is still tempting you now. And I think I, I think about with somebody who had maybe a girl that has wandering eyes and has a hard time staying faithful to a boyfriend before marriage is still going to struggle with that same sin after marriage. And I think a lot of times people who I talk to use the idea of, well, it's natural, isn't it? It's natural for us to have this desire of, I want to please myself, whether you're married or not in this issue of masturbation. And is it, a na is it natural that we have sexual desires and appetites? Yes, absolutely. But giving into what's natural is not always leading us on a path towards righteousness. Absolutely. We can say that with anything, with, with my desire and my love for food or with my desire 
desire my love of sleep. Or there are many, many things that my, even somebody who has same-sex attraction, it might feel very natural. But by God's kind grace, what's natural is not always righteous. And there is a beauty in that sanctification. And so I absolutely still struggle with the temptation and sometimes even give in. But what I love is that what it shows me is that no struggle will go away this side of heaven because I was never meant to be fully complete outside of anything but Jesus. And while Ryan does get to act as a partner in my holiness and this fight for purity as he shows me forgiveness and kindness and he prays for me, um, it reminds me that God in his grace, even within my sin, is still lavishing his grace on me, which is just unbelievable. I mean, I have the exact same story. I've had to confess numerous times in marriage, post-marriage, of having lustful thoughts and taking action on it. And I've got to tell you, it's the most humbling thing in the oh world my gosh. to come crying and just confess. But on the flip side of that, the freedom that's found in confessing the sin is truly the catalyst that takes you through the journey of victory and to focus on the Lord. And quite frankly, sex isn't just something that as a wife we were meant to give. It's not just meant to be this service that's provided for our husbands, which right. so often as a woman we talk about because that can be a struggle. But for the maybe hypersexual or for the girl out there who's listening who has that sex drive that's just hurting and burning in a way that might feel a little bit more than some of their friends around them, I've got to tell you, sister, I'm with you, A. And B, this gift is something that God designed for us to receive as wives. So rely on that relationship if you are in your marriage. It is a gift for you to receive and, and trust in God's provision for you in that. Amen. I love that. And so... For, for you and I, Chelsea Shea, I think we would say we are walking in freedom. We are yes. walking in victory. Not that the temptation doesn't come, but what I know we haven't just gotten there with like a lot of prayer, <laughs> you know, which oh, prayer is amazing. Yes. And you, we have to have it. But what are some of the practical ways that you have battled this? So as I tee up and set us up to discuss the practical things that I have done or that I would maybe suggest for girls to do, I have to rely on the scripture that has been the impetus for all of this. And it's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. Okay, huge sigh. I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. That verse has been the anchor for me as I have created a battle plan to know, hey, when I hit this, he promises he can lift me out of it, but I have to rely on him. He's faithful. Can I rely on him to help me through it? And so um, practically, I have done some pretty zany things to try and help, my, to help myself see this battle won, but the first one is confession. Mm -hmm. So the first thing you have to practically do is find women in your life that you trust and let them in on the sin. And I've got to say, it's the single most challenging part of practically fighting this battle is just airing out what probably feels so secret and so foul and, and just letting others into that space and saying, this is my battle. It's really hard. Practical step one, confession and asking for repentance from the Lord. And then from that, to set yourself up for future successes. I think that there have been some things. Like I've written scripture in my shower 
and I've posted it on my shower. I've written scripture and I've posted it and tacked it to my ceiling so that when I'm going to bed, I can focus on what God's word says. I listen to the dwell app when I'm really battling in my ears at night as I go to sleep. And I just have to say, if you have to shower with the curtain open, if that's just a place where you struggle, or if you have to get up and do push-ups because there's just too much pent-up energy, or if you have to just tape that hand to yours and say, dear Jesus, mm. I'm raising it out of the bed till I fall asleep ah. and it hits my hands. <laughs> I'm going to do a praise Jesus holy till I, till my you do what go you to do. bed. You do what you got to do because this is a battle that you have to fight full hearted. Mm-hmm. The moment you let Satan get a foothold, it is a slippery slope back into that temptation and that struggle. And so do whatever you need to do yeah, to exactly. set yourself up for success in this battle. And it starts before you're in the struggle. You yeah. have to think, what are my places and what are my patterns? that I can train and my appetites train towards what God's word says. I need to uproot them and replace them with what scripture would tell me. Exactly. I love both the practicality and the proactive nature of what you're saying, because I do think I have shifted to being proactive in my fight rather than reactive. And so it is good for us to confess and repent and bring in community. Um, But I also think the most important part of the role of a soldier is his training. It's his preparation. And so now for me, whenever Ryan's out of town, I let my community group know and um, I even put my phone in the bathroom at night because that is where for me I'm tempted to look up maybe a book that I don't need to be reading or read an article that I shouldn't be reading or watch a TV show that I shouldn't be watching. Um, Most of my community group, uh, they vet books before I read them. I don't just pick up a book and start reading it because that has been a really difficult battleground for me in the past. Um, And so it helps take away a lot of the difficult work and resisting temptation. Like instead of in that moment, I can just have someone go, not for you, pick a different one. And thank God there are 10 million books out in the world. And so I've also found a very, very direct correlation um, to living on mission and the decrease in the desire to just meddle in that sin. And so for me, the more I am in God's word, abiding daily, memorizing scripture, and and acknowledging my dependence on the Lord, the more I'm making myself uncomfortable to live for Jesus, the less I find myself getting into temptation. And so running after Jesus and living on mission has definitely been something, even just practically, that's been a huge help for me. And girls... I'm going to put on my big sister hat here just for a minute. Do it, girl. I am. If it, Guys, in as much love as I can tell you, whether you struggle with this sin and you're wired in a way that is more sexually um, heightened than other women or not, please be careful what you're watching. Yeah. Be careful what you are putting in your mind. There are TV shows out there. Did you all know that there is only 1% of the population who has not watched Game of Thrones? One percent of the population. And you know what that means? There is so much rape and incest and sex in that show, y'all. And I'm not I'm not trying to call anybody out specifically, but I am saying if you are not using caution and discernment on shows that you watch, then I would just really encourage you to do so. Because even if you don't think it's affecting you, Everything that we take in is affecting us. And so we are either building our lives and our hearts up towards righteousness, or if you're not moving toward it, I will tell you, you're going to be drifting away from it. And there are so many shows out there that whether or not they are as intense as Game of Thrones, they they might even make 
light of this struggle. There's a couple shows I've watched recently where they didn't show a ton, but they talked about lust and masturbation and things like that with such ease. Like, oh, you watch porn, don't you? Right. And it's supposed to be a comedy. And they're just throwing these really deep issues in with such levity that it really does, it deserves to have some depth and some weight put to it. And our culture wants to lighten it and make it so free and easy. And so even the pressure of, man, sex is important. It's worth holding holy is something we have to be aware of, even in lighthearted media that we are, are taking in. So for the women out there struggling, whether it's you personally or your husband or your boyfriend, or maybe it's your best girlfriend and you know she's battling this, we have a message that you absolutely must hear before we give you what your next step of faithfulness is. And we want you to sit in this and take a minute to take a big breath and just Breathe this in. Jesus loves you Mm. exactly where you are, exactly as you are in this battle. If this is maybe the first moment you've even realized it is a battle that you're struggling with, he loves you. There is no shame. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We see it in Romans, and he wants you to believe it. It's not just a verse. It's the beat of his heart for you. There is no sin too dirty, and there is no shame he can't remove. I think that is the bedrock of what we want you to know. We want you to know that you are loved by the only one whose opinion of you matters. He is the only one, and we know his opinion because he shares it with us in Scripture. He shares it with us in Romans 8, like Chelsea Shea just said. And I think if you get to this point and you're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to take a step, even if it's a small step. Um, Never belittle little beginnings. Little beginnings have huge consequences and huge effects. And so I think we just tell you to do four things. First, acknowledge it. If you're not at a place yet where you think it's a sin, sit before the Lord and go, Lord, would you just show me if this is an area of my life where I'm compromising and it might be a sin? And if you already know it to be a sin, acknowledge that it is. And then secondly, repent. We repent of our sin. Literally, the origins of repent is turning 180 degrees and fleeing away. And then you confess. And we confess first to the Lord, but then confess to a trusted person, somebody of the same sex that is hopefully running after God as well. And here's what I'm going to say, a little caveat here. I'm not always going to guarantee that people are going to receive your confession with grace. Mm -hmm. By God's kindness, I have been received with grace. I have also been kicked out of churches for using this word. And so we're not always going to be received in our confessions with grace, but prayerfully, you're going to confess to somebody who has the spiritual maturity to go, yes, it's a sin just like every other sin. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you proactively fight. And like we were talking about earlier, you you set up restrictions, you set up boundaries, you um, live life in community, because this is never something worth fighting for is easy. It's going to be hard. And y'all, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so even though we still fight, we fight as people who have been bought with a price. And so you don't need to be burdened anymore by the sin of addiction. Whatever we believe that could be fulfilling this lust of our eyes or lust of the flesh, as it says in 1 John 2, as we give into the sins of masturbation, what God wants to do for us is infinitely more fulfilling if we just placed our trust in Him. And I think Chelsea Shea and I would tell you, we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and that blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. And once we believe this truth that, hey, 
what we've been told by culture, what we've been told by sometimes well-meaning believers is a lie, we can absolutely and more accurately fight it with truth. There are unfortunately not a ton of resources that if you're like, I've had a lot of girls reach out to me and go, what's a book on lust written by a woman that can help me? And I'm like, I don't don't know one. I don't think that there's one out there. If there is, email us and let us know about it. But I think the beautiful thing is you don't have to have a book that's written specifically to your struggle to be able to get help. Regeneration is our recovery ministry here at Watermark. It's in over 350 cities across the U.S. We would love for you to look that up and become a part of our recovery ministry. The head of our recovery ministry, John Elmore, just wrote a book called Freedom Starts Today, and it is incredible as far as taking the breaking of our addiction one day at a time, 24 hours a time by God's strength. And there's a couple other resources that we'll put for you in the show notes, but the biggest thing we want you to know, it's God's word, his spirit, and his people. That's what breaks chains because it's the most powerful thing that we have. Absolutely. Well, ladies, we have loved getting to connect with you today. If you want to learn more about The Collective, you can visit our website, watermark.org slash collective. And follow us on Instagram at watermark underscore collective. Be sure to share this episode with someone who needs to hear it today because freedom is at their fingertips. And we hope that we've been a guide to providing that to you in Christ Jesus. If you have any questions about this episode, you can email us at collective at watermark.org. We'll see you next time on The Collective Podcast.